electrical engineering community. Okay. Today, we have very special guest uh, with us, Dr. Anamika Dubey, who is joining from the United States. Anamika Dubey is an assistant professor at the Department of uh, Electrical and Computer Engineering, Washington State University, Pullman. She did her bachelor's uh, in electrical engineering from Indian Institute of Technology, Rookie, in the year 2010. Okay, after that, she has finished her master's degree and PhD degree from University of Texas, Austin in 2010, 2012 and 2015 respectively. She, uh, no, her research interest lies in the core areas of power system. Okay. A warm welcome uh, from the Department of Electrical Engineering, Dr. Anamika Dubey. It's indeed a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, with this, uh, I request the student coordinators, Aman and uh, Baldeep to take over this session. Okay, you can continue. Sure. Warm welcome. Uh, For kind Amen. Yeah, introduction. I'm glad to be here and I look forward to interactions today. So yeah, I have to tell you this, like students were overwhelmed to have you as the guest and we received a plenty of questions from them. So we have short. Okay, great. I'm, I'm, I, I would love to answer all of them and I hope I can answer to, um, you know, um, to help you work through and walk through what you're looking for um, to learn from me. Yeah. Sure, sure. So, so to start with, uh, can you tell us a little about yourself and your journey? Like at what point did you exactly know that you are going to do this? And students are like also eager to hear how you eventually made that happen. So you can. Yeah, uh, great question. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I come from uh, a very small town in uh, Madhya Pradesh. I'm from Riva MP. Um, so like many of you, I was good in the studies. I, I was, you know, uh, topper in my class and the students, uh, sorry, teachers were always, you know, telling me that you should do this, you should do that. And there was a great teacher there who told me that you, what do you want to become? And I, I, I was, this was like in sixth grade and I told him that I want to become an IAS. And he's like, okay, first crack IIT, <laughs> then you become IAS. And I was just parroting, you know, what I have heard that, okay, IAS is the best, the biggest thing, so I should become that. Uh, but that teacher was uh, the one who really uh, uh, aspired me to do, to think carefully about what, what interests me and uh, why I should probably pursue, you know, uh, how I should uh, maneuver in my career as I'm, I'm building it or, or as, I'm, as I'm going forward with my school years and then thinking about college years afterwards, right? So um, I, 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 then I, I started to, you know, have con more frequent conversations with him. I started to ask him, what is IIT? What does it really mean? And what do you do after that? And why, why should I do IIT? And he started telling me that um, it's one of the, you know, most competitive exam in, in India. You do that. Uh, you, you, a lot of avenues and a lot of opportunities open up. That, that was his first comment, which is of course true, right? The second comment was um, um, that you do that and you really uh, figure it, it helps you maneuver and figure out what you do, what you want to do next. And you can do many, many, several different things once you actually get there and you start you know, exploring and uh, figuring out what you want to do. And you love studying, you love learning. So that's the place that will definitely inculcate that thing in you. So yeah, I, I, that, that, that resonated with me. I started working on it and uh, you know how competitive the exam is. So it was extremely fortunate that I got selected. And uh, uh, as, as far as 
the branch is concerned when i was in my 12th standard uh, uh, you know physics always fascinated me but one specific branch of physics that stuck with me was electromagnetism i was fascinated by the concept of electricity and magnetism coming together the entire history of it and then how it is really uh, defining the entire 19th and 20th century i was just blown away by it and you know i i i, I had a uh, great fascination with big machines and all those things as well. So uh, I thought that I will get electrical and thankfully IIT Roorkee electrical was available in my rank. So I got it. And that's how I get to the electrical. <laughs> then again, you you get to IIT, you start rediscovering yourself. You start asking yourself again, that what do you want to do next? What, what do you really like? So as far as you, you're, you're asking me that, when did I exactly knew what I want to become? I don't even know now. Honestly, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to learn and figure out what I want to become. What I always knew, at least in every stage of my life when I was asking this question, what I want to become was what I want to learn, what I really want to learn right now and what what, what I want to you know do right now, what fascinates me right now. And I just uh, went ahead and did it. Uh, not everything didn't work out. For example, when I was in IIT, um, I, I was always, okay, so I was always fascinated. I, I want to do something more than classes. I want to explore some new topics. I want to figure out what professors do, what research they do what what are they working on they're just not teaching so what are they doing so i just wanted i was very curious about that so i started uh forming some gr groups and i started to figure out what what professors are doing so i i dabbled a bit into computer vision i dabbled a bit into face recognition i did some image processing and it just did not resonate with me that much so i switched uh in my third year or fourth year and i started to uh, interact more with control systems and power systems uh, professors and i really loved that and i i, I it, it has a lot of math it has a lot of you know those big machines it has again electromagnetism revisited so i just really like that and i i continue to keep on you know doing that and uh, uh, when I was in my fourth year, then I was thinking that I should do a job. I should go to a, go to industry. And I was specifically looking for power industry to get a job there in core. And when I started to talk to seniors about it, that what do you do in core? Then they told me that there are limited chance that you will get to learn a lot of new things directly if you go into core field, just uh, go there. You will definitely learn a lot about how electricity is made, how electricity process actually works. But if you're looking for something more than that, and by the time I was actually very fascinated about the green energy Energy, how renewables are coming up, what is happening in the renewable energy space. And I was, I, I thought that it's an extremely transformative thing. Uh, you guys might be thinking of something as extremely transformative thing. Think more about it. That's how basically you know what you want to do. So that's one key takeaway. Whatever fascinates you, uh, try to learn more about it. And that's what I started to do. And then, then uh, you know, I talked to some professors, I talked to some seniors, I talked to some PhD colleagues who I was doing other research work with. And they suggested that probably you should try um, higher studies and I had good you know uh, collaborators good friends as well and they were also looking for some higher studies position but then I started to apply and I actually um, uh, looked for where I want to pursue higher studies and I, I learned about UT Austin this group who was doing a lot of work in renewables a lot of work in grid technology and those things and I got there and after getting there, again, you have to rediscover yourself. What do you want to do? You are here, now what do you want to learn? And there are 100 different things to learn, so you have to maneuver through that process again. What is resonating with you right now? So, so then I start to ask, and then again, you know, it's not always about what's resonating with you. You also get influenced by everyone, your professor, your teachers, your colleagues. And uh, when I got there, there were a lot of work going on in the grid uh, integration of these renewables. And I thought it's fascinating because if you want to move to 100% renewables, 
there's a lot of things that has to be done. Renewable technology has to be very well. It has to be made cost effective and it has to be integrated with your grid. We cannot be in the grid. So I thought it's a fascinating problem to work on that. How do you integrate all these new technologies to grid? What kind of skill set is needed to get there? So that's what I did my PhD on. And then after PhD, I again thought that I should probably go to industry and work part of somewhere. And then again, I started to be evaluate what kind of work I would be doing. And then I thought that no, I still want to learn more. And then I think there's more things to learn. And then I started to apply for a faculty position, and that's how I'm here. Now, if you ask me that this is what I plan for, no. There have been so many different paths that I could have gone. But by every path I was really well and when we asked this question, what will I get? You know, what what do I want to do next? Like, not, not in terms of where I want to be, but what is it I want to learn next? What is it and where I can get it the most out of it? That's what I was thinking about. And it's not just about learning, right? I mean, I am also an extremely ambitious person and I want to build my career. So this was always that that mind that how I can distinguish myself from the crowd. And that that will help me, you know, building this uh, high history portfolio, then going into academia, you know, you can you can really try to invent yourself as a researcher and, and stand up on your own and get recognized for what you are doing. Not what you are doing for us. So there were two motivations that were going hand in hand, and that kept on pushing me. I still don't know where I'm going to be five months from now, but this is where I am, and I, I think this is the best place I, I could want to be right now. I don't know if I got that or not, but uh, but that that's a life story. Uh, what I think, how I thought about it. Okay, ma'am. Very nice to hear about your journey, but ma'am, uh, there might be issues like like you might face some problems throughout your journey. Can you uh, please elaborate some and explain how you cope up with them? Absolutely. So you know, one of the biggest challenges, uh, if you are very ambitious, which I think all of you are, or an IIM, I mean, it's just you are going to have to have the toughest exams out there. So you have to have your vision and you're thinking about your career at the time. You want to be the top, you want to be the best, and you know, it's not just about the top, you also want to be the bottom, like that, right? You just don't want all those things because that's how you come about yourself. And that's how I want to do it myself. But, but, uh, but there comes a lot of challenges. So one of the challenges that I had uh, was basically a lot of fear, a lot of fear of failure. And that's one of the major obstacles that I might see when you're going to pursue, even if it might take a lot of unconventional part. So our opportunities for the PhD plan was not more conventional. Even in my mind, when I was applying my high values, Computer science I was okay. I mean, I mean, we want to do computer science. We want to do computer science. We got a lot of there in that. We got a lot of research. A lot of cool things we got there. A lot of things we never never do. Like, but but the point is that you know, we we try to do it fast and not just about the choice of TV or the choice of moving on or and going on and on and on. That's not easy as well. I know you have seen that. What what I like in 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 the physical country. Never know. So, so that, that, that doesn't always work. So, what we have to do is reach, 
uh, soft skills out there, right? So I don't want to, you know, say that one is important or other is not. Soft skills are great to have because they help you maneuver how you develop your career uh, in in this in in research industry or anywhere, right? At the end of it, you are building your career. At the end of it, you want to distinguish yourself from the crowd, or at least you want to grow, right? You want to uh, grow up. And and really, the point is that the soft skills that you have got. Are, are your weapons to actually, uh, are also one of your weapons to climb them. There are no one set of soft skills that are better than other. For example, some people are great leaders, right? They have good leadership skills, but some people are problem solvers. Now, if you want to make someone a top head of some research group, leadership is great, but if someone has a great problem solving skill, that's amazing. I mean, and that's what you want to do. I mean, that's how he, they can actually work through it. So whatever is a skill, Whatever is your soft skill, try to leverage it to your fullest. For example, I am not a great, um, you know, person who can build great networks, but I am a great problem solver and I have a great work ethic. These two were my, you know, uh, soft skills that helped me maneuver through my career throughout the time. And as the job required, I learned other soft skills. For example, communications, for example, uh, reaching out to people and building your own research network or your own network, all those things you learn as the job requires. But some of the core soft skills you, that you have that will help you maneuver in the beginning and that will be with you forever. And those are the ones that are that that will that will guide you through. And all of you have those. And, and those are definitely important, of course. And as you grow up in your career, you have to acquire some new ones as well. And you will. I mean, that's just you know, uh, as long as you remain passionate and. Uh, curious and uh, uh, forward looking about your work and job rest of the things really just follow that's what i would like to give you as a takeaway yes sure so you told us about your journey and your motivation behind pursuing the career in research so like if someone asks you okay, why do you think an undergraduate should be motivated to do research or how can undergraduates start this field? So like, uh, how would you be answering this? Uh, okay, sure. Um, sorry, go ahead, complete your question. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Like, how should one start with it? And what should be his motivation to start uh, in research? So, so let me give you a E-level answer to this. The first level is very personal to your career. So you are at the best of the best schools in India, right? You are at a place and a position where you can really do whatever you want. You have the great faculty at your disposal. You have all the time in the world for next four years. Honestly, you won't believe it, but you do have all the time in the world for, for next four years to, to, you know, just figure out yourself. Doing research is great because that will help you distinguish, distinguish yourself from your peer, wherever you will go. That's how you will grow in your career. That's a great way to grow in your career. So think in this way that uh, top uh, you know, scientists that are in, let's say, Facebook, Google, uh, or any of you know, these, uh, these top, um, uh, soft, top companies, which you would just imagine that, why do they have researchers? Everyone is working on new problems. Every of these companies want to have an edge with their competitors. They are trying to, you know, establish themselves and, and think about that product which is coming from 10, 20 years from now. How will you get there? That's where you want to get because that's where really the top bucks are. If you think about top bucks, that's where they are. And not just in terms of money, in terms of your career, in terms of your personal growth uh, as, a, as, a, as a 
as anyone you want to be right as a manager as a researcher as a, as whatever you want to be so what i'm really trying to say is not just one of the, just only the way it's one of the ways how you can distinguish yourself from everyone else as you grow up in your career there is something that is that is a that is new that is novel right that can be in your career or in your resume which is a great thing to have when you are going to rise up the ranks as you go on right so and also try to get the first ladder the first ladder where you want to land so that you can rise up the ranks right so that's one of the very personal not personal that's one of the very professional reasons why you should try to uh, why i i think undergraduate students should think about research that's not the only way but that's one of the way to really make your professional career distinguishable other reason is very personal i think research is is extremely extremely satisfying experience to have in your life in your entire life you will be working many many hours most of your life will be gone working believe me or not that's the reality you would want to do that i'm not saying you don't want to do that you don't want to do that most of your time is gone working and you would you would want to do that right you would want to be happy about it if you are really doing it i mean if you are working for those many hours why not be happy about it but think about it when you were happiest you were happiest when you were kids when the entire world was there to explore right you want you were always looking for that new thing that new oh that that new road that new bike that new cycle i learned this thing i learned that thing that is the happiest feeling that you have that's what research offers it's extremely frustrating but it keeps you young it keeps you a kid that's why you see you know professor i i think the professors are the best people in the world but i'm biased but the whole point is that and i'm not talking about myself i'm talking about seasoned professors of course but the whole point is that that, that basically you know it's a extremely personally satisfying experience to have so if you get a chance to ex, ex, uh, you know experience it as an undergraduate student you should try to do that you should try to learn about that and the third reason i think is 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 more societal so if any one of you think about you know the world what what will your legacy be what do you want to leave behind when you go what is going to be you know your mark your impact this is one of the ways to do that that research career makes it happen not everyone ends up doing it but you are working forever in your life towards that goal and that's a huge motivation to have huge motivation to keep on working so i think that it's it's i'm not saying that all of you should go in research career all i'm saying is that you all of you should experience it this is a great time for you to experience what is research as an undergrad student and if you like it then you pursue it if you don't like it there are 100 different paths where you can actually even distinguish yourself as 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 great um career professionals whatever you want to be but yeah that's the reason i think an undergraduate should pursue research okay thank you ma'am and now i am up with the most frequent question uh, ma'am in our traditional education system we are graded on the basis of the our performance in our exams like gpa and all ma'am how would you tell the influence of cg factor in taking up research ma'am like low cgs and backlogs what are their influence so you know this is a hard question and i'll tell you for for why uh unfortunately or fortunately we are the most populous country in the world we have the most i i do believe we have the most talent of the world as well of course but we are the most populous country as well how do you distinguish how do, when you have limited time that is what happens and that's why cg and everything becomes important okay i'm not saying it's a great indicator of anyone's success in research not at all and i don't i don't personally believe it but it's one of those things you know that uh, that i don't think as an undergraduate student 
you should take that lightly and i would tell you why because you know you as an undergraduate student you are exposed to different subjects which is kind of the purpose of it if you think about electrical engineering field i think this, again I'm, I'm extremely biased and you can see i'm an extremely passionate person as well but i do believe that electrical engineering field is one of the core of all engineering if you are an electrical engineer you can literally be anything that you want to be and that's how I, I believe. I totally believe. I, I know people from electrical engineer who are photonics engineers. I know people from electrical engineer who are, of course, CS. I know from electrical engineer who are working on, you know, uh, climate models or geospatial models or whatnot. I mean, tell me about it. I'll tell you electrical engineers everywhere. So why they can do that? Because, you know, electrical engineering field, when you go to undergrad, it's so vast. It's so, it's so diverse that it really gives you that opportunity to explore these subjects in, in you know, Maybe, maybe not in that detail, but at least in, in a very superficial level, you should try to learn them. They, I'm not saying that, you know, you should try to memorize everything that is out there, but you should try to learn them. And th that is a great um, way to also think about what you want to do as you go, as you, as you transition to your career. So again, I'm not saying that your CG should be 10 and only then you are great. All I'm trying to say is that your CG should be good enough that basically reflects that you have taken your courses seriously and i think that it's it's a good idea to take them a bit seriously but as far as this if this question is concerned that if your cg is not great and you have backlogs should what, what are the consequences in terms of research i don't think it should bother you that much i don't think that anything i still don't think that anything defines really your lifelong learning your cg is not defined by that i got five out of 50 in c plus plus in first exam after getting to iit Five out of fifty, and uh, that that was the most disappointing experience of my life, of course. And you know, th th those things happen. And, and and I was extremely bad with engineering drawing and machine drawing. I was failing those subjects almost. The whole point really is is that uh, one grade or one backlog or, or or you know these things do not decide what you want to be. If you are passionate about something, pursue it. The best way to pursue it, reach out to the professors, go and talk to them, figure out what they are doing, try to put more time, try to talk to the PhD students, just see what they are doing, what they are working on, try to read through things, right? There are there's so much literature out there. We are living in communication era. I mean, like every information that you want is out there for your disposal. Just, just go and find it. And it should never stop you from doing what you want to do just because you have a low CG, just because you have some backlogs, it should never stop you from doing it. Your career is yours to build. And once you think about it seriously, the world is out there to really help you. That's how I think about it. I have a mixed opinion because I'm a professor. I do consider school learning and, you know, the grades to be important, but I don't consider them to be absolute. You have other other capabilities. You have other um, uh, avenues to learn. You should go out and pursue them and learn them through those. You should never uh, restrict yourself because uh, of some grade because of some data that should never happen and and you all of you guys are super smart you are an iit i mean it it, it it just says itself so you can definitely go and learn something and and, and make something out of yourself just just do that uh, did it answer your question yes yes it answered okay. yeah. so like you have had an experience of studying both in india and abroad no? So can you draw comparisons between your master's degree at Austin and your bachelor's degree at IITR? Sure, sure. Um, so, so first of all, I want to say that there is a difference between the bachelor's uh, degree and master's degree, yes, just for yes. sake, mm. you know, the mm. different degree. But I would tell you some similarities um, which were uh, there in, in both of them. One of them was a strong focus on academics. 
so you know uh, there there was there were in in us there is a very strong focus on academics like in india right so for example cg matters a lot a lot a lot so so think about in this way that uh, the the midterms matter the exams matters the end term matters and that was very true here in us as well that yes those things matter now um, of course um, the exam patterns were a bit different because it's a masters class versus a bachelors class our questions were more open ended more project based so we were doing more of a you know those kind of analysis and understanding of the subject so which was different but there is still a very strong emphasis on uh, on on the grades but not but, but you cannot get grades by by not really learning the subject so that was one distinction so 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 students were more concerned about learning the course because the grades were directly associated with, with learning the course but but they were still whatever is the reason that great grades are more important students were always at least when i was in master in my masters and phd the main emphasis was that i want to learn this what is going on here what is the basic basic understanding of it there was this huge emphasis on on you know trying to learn everything that is there in the course that is being taught and not just learning it but also expanding and extending it working on the projects and working trying to figure out what's going on so that was one of the major differences that i saw which i really like because you know my main purpose to to study is to learn right and i think that's what main purpose for anyone is it's just we get distracted a bit because there are too many things that are going on but but he but i found here that it was always the case that learning it was a constant work that you are doing you are every day you have homeworks you have assignments what not you're working through it you're working on a group you're studying together you're still trying to study together and put your inputs together so that was one of the major differences that i saw i don't know uh, uh, um, at least when i was in um, iit there was not that strong emphasis among all the students to learn things it was more about you know i those who who was who were getting cg their main emphasis was to get cg those who were not getting cg their main emphasis was that i don't want to learn so that was the difference between the, between the two 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 uh, plats two education system here it doesn't matter whether you're getting cg or not you are still learning everyone was curious everyone was learning a lot and that was an extremely amazing environment um the other difference i told you i mean one of the other differences was of course the exam pattern our questions were more open ended our questions were more project based you have to work on it throughout the semester to actually get something out of it you cannot just you know study on the last year and get grades for example for some of the courses that i did that so you cannot do that you really have to work on all your courses uh throughout the time then uh masters education or when i was studying here i was also working so i was also a research assistant here and that's what you typically do so your 20 hours officially are basically when you're working but unofficially you are always working so so that was the different different thing that you are simultaneously try to do and get some research done and trying to work with your professors your colleagues your students on that in that meantime you have to build a skill set of you know uh communicating with your peer trying to you know work in a group or collaborating with with the with the peers and all those things so i think those were the main distinctions that i i saw and i i think the learning environment was uh more uh how do i put it more aspirational from the perspective of a student because the student body that was around me uh was also very aspirational in that sense in, in the sense of learning i know all of you are also aspirational but but uh, is it all is it always about learning for the class or is it about something else right so here it was a lot about the classes as well oh yeah there was one other difference so but that's a difference because of the masters education the difference was about um 
classes that you can take. So we had a lot of classes available at our disposal. And these are not just about electrical engineering departments. I can go and take class in aerospace engineering. I can go and take class in physics. I can go and take class in math department, business department, whatever you want to. So really everything was open to take, take classes and you had so many options. And you can really try to figure out what you want to learn and go and take those classes. So that was amazing. Ma'am, um, now can you tell something about your uh, recent research projects and uh, currently ongoing research projects? Sure, sure. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Were you saying something? No, ma'am. Okay, okay, all right. So, uh, yeah, so so like I said, I continue to work in the area of, you know, uh, this 100% renewable and DER integration. So I look in the problem from the perspective of the grid, that what do we need to do uh, on the grid side to make this uh, transition possible? Now, there are a bunch of problems that come from, from that particular question. Uh, the problems are in the domain of technology, that how do you make the technology possible? The problems are in the domain of, uh, grid uh, management so that is essentially goes into the problem of optimization control whatever you're learning right now with the grid at, at the grid level it also goes to the problem of um, managing new types of resources so you have a lot of active resources coming up how do you really learn about you know those human behaviors your those demand response those building models and all those kind of things so all that's basically has been my core of my research on how do we still integrate these renewables to the grid and for that reason i have really collaborated with all sorts of uh, folks from computer science from control systems from mathematicians to economists and that has been extremely amazing so that's another thing i like about research you really get to collaborate with the best in the best of the lots and learn a lot so, so that's that's what I, I have been doing. But one of the problems that is core to my um, heart and actually very uh, re relevant problem and recent problem that I have started to work on has to do with uh, how uh, climate change is affecting our um, extreme events that we are seeing and how it is affecting our uh, um, grid or power grid infrastructure. So by extreme events, I mean, you know, hurricanes, wildfires, all, all sorts of things that uh, big storm, events that you are seeing. Now, why are they relevant? Because their frequency and their intensity is continuously increasing. And it's going to increase because of you know, the recent effects of climate change that is happening. And it's really important for us to understand how these events affect our uh, grid because power grid is still the biggest machine out there that, that is out there. Uh, other than internet, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, of course, you know, uh, um, changing my opinion a bit about it, but still one of the solid and physical machine out there is still power grid and internet is still powered by energy. So I would say that energy takes precedence. But anyways, so power grid is basically one of the biggest machines out there. If it's down, literally every service is down. So it's very important for us to understand how these events can affect the grid and basically how we can uh, reinforce our network so that the, these effects could be could be lesser right so that's one of the problems i have been working on and that problem really requires us to understand about the probabilities of these high impact low uh, low probability event the mathematical models for them how does those mathematical model interact with the physical infrastructure the power grid that you have how does the physics of the power system gets affected by it what can you do you know in terms of figuring out what should be strengthened what should be made here so that our power grid can be saved what are the different ways or non-traditional ways of operating power grid so that we can supply some critical loads in the event of a disaster and same some of some of the you know uh, uh some of our critical loads for example hospitals transportation data centers 
you know, so that so that our society can still function when we are seeing these those extreme events. So some of my recent work in this area has been about learning to model these events and learning to model the impact of these events. So when you work as a power system researcher, a lot of work you do is about modeling. And what you really do is go develop extremely um, complicated uh, or, or um, computational model that can reflect the reality to the to the best way possible. Now, this is one of the problems that that requires an intersection of machine learning with the power systems. Why? Because you know a lot of these events are not known. A lot of the way, a lot of the ways to model these events require us to distill the information, a lot of information out there, which of course can be distilled through some of the known mathematical models, but there might be some different ways of also distilling it so that you can understand more about it. Long story short, this research actually uh, um, crosses the boundaries of power, climate science, machine learning, control and optimization, all of them put together towards making our electrical infrastructure more resilient. That's what I have been doing these days, and that, that's one of the major projects that, that's going on. Yeah, so you already told about various career options after electrical engineering. So like what are the most, I can say like according to you, what are the new and emerging fields of research that an electrical engineer can pursue? Again, I'm biased. Electrical engineer can pursue anything. So, so let me start from there. Uh, now, as long as new and emerging you're talking about, I, I do believe there are, uh, by the way, there is a National Science Foundation here, which, which funds the research uh, or, or in, in, in US. Uh, they have come up with 10 problems of this century. I would encourage all of you to look into that. One of the problems is, of course, how do we handle the data revolution that is coming up? There's an immense amount of data that they are getting, and it can be used for so much good. Uh, climate change, how you can actually work with it with the data, what information can you gather, what models can you create? And as an electrical engineer, you have those, you know, understanding information, you can just, you know, build your career on that side. Um, energy, energy is going to be, to, to be the big thing in next century. Why it's a big thing? Because it's not just about power system or power grids, it's about how energy is generated. It's about how energy is transmitted and it's about how energy is consumed. Consumers are becoming more and more aware of their energy consumption. A lot of things actually become very, very interesting once the consumer becomes proactive. There are a lot of things that can be done which can uh, really help us make energy available to every individual out there. It's a great, great thing to think about, right? So, and, and of course, what can you do there? Energy is other area. Um, what else then of course i mean think about uh circuits think about circuits and system things about think about what's happening in the vr and ar technology the the way we interact with the world is changing i mean we we the the things that you can do the things you can imagine think about and uh, you know uh, um be able to teach a group of students somewhere out there in a remote location through this you know vr technology of course I am talking hyperbole because there's a lot of cost involved. But as you know, with any technology, as it becomes more and more uh, pervasive, it becomes more and more inexpensive. And that's how it reaches to every hand, right? So you can think about the extreme uses of all these AR, VR technology. Think about AI technologies, right? Think about what, what can AI do? What, 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 what sorts of problem an AI can solve? Um, those are some other things. Now, if you go into details of all those things, think about um, if, if you think about um, circuits and systems, uh, the moment you uh, try to combine that, 
with the data revolution, it restarts the field of HPC, which is high performance computing. Now that's a big deal. How do you make computer architectures that can do those high performance computing to actually crunch this data and create something? So, so what I'm trying to say is that the way electrical engineers can do all those things is because the way all of these problems are connected together. And it gives you that avenue to really build your career in those directions. So I would say that it's all out there in your reach. So just, just think about what fascinates you and try to build a career in, in that direction. I don't know, did I answer your question or did I just confuse you all? No, ma'am, we got it, ma'am. Uh, ma'am, we are I'm up with the next question. Uh, like, ma'am, what are the prerequisites that an undergraduate student should have to do a research in any foreign university or anything that you may seek so that someone may someone can come along with you to do a research? That's a good question. So, um, two core things. One thing, uh, and I'm talking about hard skills, not soft skills. So, hard skills, uh, you definitely, definitely need to know how to code. The world is uh, has changed. You definitely need to know how to do to coding, how to program, how to think logically, because programming is uh, a lot about, of course, knowing the language. But more than that, it is also about how you think logically, how you really put together a program to do something. It's like how you solve a math problem. It's just the next level of it. That gives a lot about the student. And that, as a student, you also learn a lot about different things. So coding, programming, hone that skill. Learn it. Learn as a as a as a hobby. Learn whatever whatever it takes. Just, but just learn that skill. And there's so many resources out there. There is no dearth of resources. Just just learn that. That's one thing. Other core skill that I think is very important for for upcoming undergraduate student is to have a strong foundation in math. Try to learn mathematics. Math is fundamental to me. It, it uh, at least for uh, this might be a bias. You can say that physics is equally fundamental, but we don't get to learn that much physics, right? I mean, unless you're in physics department, but math is something that is fundamental. I would, I would highly, highly encourage you to try to learn, try to take some math courses, try to take some, you know, control theory courses and try to learn about it. Not just, you know, what is taught in the class, but try to learn about what, what is going on with this control theory course, right? What, what really they are talking about or teaching about. OR course, optimization course, what is going on with the optimization? All of this is, you know, just algorithm. It is a way of thinking that you develop, which is pays many folds when you go in research and when you have to solve a new problem. When you have to crack a new problem, you need to be able to think in a very systematic and in a very logical way. And of course, be creative about, think, about your thinking process. That, that's also required. But some of the things are can be learned. Some of the things you uh, develop. And these two things are some things that, that can, I think, help a lot because the learning about math gives you that skill set to think systematically. Learning about coding gives you that skill that you can program any thought process and test it. So those two things are important. And then you learn about, you know, thinking creatively, learning about your discipline, bringing, uh, you know, building further on that research once you get to master's and, and graduate studies. So those two things I think are core. Try to learn about that. And of course, try to know your core. Whatever core language, wherever you want to do the research, try to learn your core. That is important. At least have good fundamental knowledge because in master's, you always build from there. So if you are going in power, learn your core in power. That, that you should know. But these are the skills I would prioritize. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. So we'd like to hear your views on Indian higher education system. Like why isn't it is not as popular as like undergraduation in IITs or like that? It's not, of course, as reputed. 
So what are your views on it? Uh, Indian higher education system. So honestly, I think a lot of good work is coming from Indian uh, higher education and IITs and, uh, you know, um, uh, especially from the research side. Really a lot of, I, I don't know about all the areas, of course, because I have been focusing on power mostly, but I know about power. There is a lot of work that is coming up from power, which is extremely impactful. Um, for example, there is this work from Professor, um, uh, I, I, let me give an example. I, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's bad. Let's, let me give an example. So Professor Ashok Junjunwala from IIT Chennai, he has been working on the problem of rural electrification for some time. And his work has been so impactful that he got I, IEEE rural um, um, some some very very famous uh, award that is one of the highest and top rated awards. He has established so many off grid solutions and so many companies that has spawned out from his research and work is just an, an image. I mean, it, it's a huge impact. So what I'm trying to say is that there is a lot of impact, but there is a charm to actually work outside. So that's why you see a lot of you know. Uh, folks moving outside to get more experience and to understand more, more about what's going on out of India. But there's good work coming from India. I mean, IITs have been extremely engaged with uh, with the energy field and electrical power system field, at least that, that I know. There's a huge project that's going on right now, uh, which is together jointly funded by DOE and the Department of Science and Technology in India. It's a 30 million grant where multiple IITs are working together on one problem. And that problem is extremely impactful. It's about actually, you know, islanding and creating the solution to the rural communities, working with the distributed energy systems and how you can make it all work together with new resources. So I do believe that there is a, there is really good research that are going on that's, that are going on in, in India and in Indian, you know, IITs. What I would encourage you, you is that, uh, if you like some 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 class or some professor what they're doing go and reach out to them ask them what research do you do ask them can they connect you with their phd student can you learn about what they're doing and that's how you will you know you know figure out what what's really is going on in india and what what kind of impact they are creating and you know professors are always interested to work with the students that is a axiom that that is not not uh, my assumption this is the truth if you go and tell someone that you want to work with them, it's never a chance that they're going to say that I'm not going to work with you. Just just go and figure out what's going on. That's the best thing. And I, I do believe that there's, there's a lot of work that is happening. Uh, I really do not want to compare that much, like what's what's good, what's bad. You know, different, com different countries have different preferences. Uh, different countries have different system of, you know, universities and research and all those things but as far as impact is concerned i think there is a lot of impact coming from india at least in the power area that i'm aware of so that's how i would put it and i would really encourage you to go and talk to your professors and figure out what they're doing just just go and talk to them professors love to talk to students that's what they live for just go and talk to them Ma'am, what piece of advice would you like give to especially a third year right moving to this final year because they start getting into a serious career and also start the impact. 